Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. every blessing we have, and we are blessed by him then to be stewards of the resources that he gives to us. He's entrusted these things into our care. It's declaring that that God is our resource and not the ways or the means of man, that I can trust God in everything. How could it be that God would ask for us to give of our finances or resources? Pastor David shows us that God has given us all that we have, and our giving back to God is a way of trusting God to take care of us and His work on this earth. If you're struggling to give back to God, that may be evidence of a need for spiritual growth. To trust God with what He has given to you is to be a good steward, and God promises that if we sow generously, we will also reap generously. Now here's Pastor David with part three of today's message entitled, A Heartfelt, Faith-Filled Gift. One time a year, they have the Day of National Atonement. That's called Yom Kippur. And on that day, the high priest sprinkled blood on the mercy seat for his own sins and for the sin of the nation. Now, the fifth and the last Levitical offering was the trespass offering. Very similar to the sin offering, but the main difference was that the trespass offering was an offering of cash. Okay, It was an offering of money for the sins of ignorance connected with fraud somehow. For example, if someone unintentionally cheated someone out of money or property, his sacrifice was to be equal to the amount that was taken plus one-fifth to the priest and to the one that's offended. So the priest got part of it. The person offended got part of it. It came out to the, the guy ended up repaying twice the amount that he had taken, plus a good percentage beyond that. So if you stop to think about the financial investment of the Jew in the Old Testament and in the New Testament until the temple was destroyed, first of all, they had the tithe. Straight 10% of all your income. This was the first fruits right off the top, including bonuses, commissions, everything, first fruits. Then add to that the need for the additional Levitical offerings, like the burnt offerings, the meal offerings, peace offerings, the unintentional sin offerings, and the trespass offerings. If we consider the finances involved in all of these Old Testament tithes and these offerings, we should all be bursting out singing, Jesus paid it all. (laughs) 
But don't forget the second verse, or the second portion of that phrase. All to him I owe, okay? So we look at these offerings. There's no doubt that every one of them is actually a clear picture of Christ. A clear picture that he was the one that made the sacrifice for all of these. And in Christ, all of these have been complete and they're done. And when I come by faith to receive the sacrifice of Christ, all these things are paid. It's taken care of for me. No longer do I need to worry about, again, unintentional sin. No, he's paid for that sin. Well, it's not that you don't worry about it. You deal with it, but there's not a sacrifice that can be made for it. And all of these other things, all of these other offerings are a picture of the Lord, except for one, except for one. Jesus is not pictured in the tithe. All of these offerings for sin and these other things, that's what he, he did. But he's not pictured in the tithe. It's an interesting thing when you stop and pause to look at it. The tithe had absolutely nothing to do with the law. Nothing. As a matter of fact, the tithe was instituted long before the law was even given. Look with me very carefully quickly, or just think about it, you don't, yeah, go ahead and turn there, Uh, Genesis chapter 14, Genesis chapter 14, we read of this confederation of various kings, they've come against Sodom and Gomorrah, they sacked the cities, they've taken most of the people captive, and included in the captives that these various kings have taken, Including in them is Abraham's nephew, Lot, his and all of his family. So once Abraham, who was Abram at that point in time, but once he hears of this by somebody that escaped and they came and told him, hey, your, your nephew uh, Lot and his family were taken when these guys came and sacked Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, Abraham gets his men together. They find the enemy. They destroy them. They get all of the goods back. They get all the people back. He returns with Lot and his family, and Abraham is then met by this character by the name of Melchizedek. Melchizedek. Hebrews tells us, man, he had no beginning. We don't know anything about him. Strange, strange situation, this whole Melchizedek. We don't have time to go into it right now. He was called the king of Salem, the king of peace. I think we could suffice it to say that he was a totally a representation or a, represent, a representative of God. But I also believe that very possibly he was what's called a Christophany. He was a, a visible presence of Christ before Christ's earthly birth that we find in the New Testament. Anyway, we read the following. This is what the point of this all is about. Down in verse 18, we read this. Then Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. And he, speaking of Melchizedek, blessed him, speaking of Abraham, he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Now here is the point I want to make. And he, speaking of Abraham, gave him, Melchizedek, a tithe of all, all that he had received, the goods that he had gotten back. We understand it to be a tenth. 
out of all the bounty he had received from defeating the enemy, Abraham gave a tenth or a tithe. It's here that we see the tithe is long before not even a part of the law. The tithe is simply a personal or it is a a, a family demonstration of our knowledge that all that we have is from God. All that we have, every blessing we have, and we are blessed by him then to be stewards of the resources that he gives to us. He's entrusted these things into our care. It's declaring that that God is our resource and not the ways or the means of man, that I can trust God in everything. And Abraham refused to be rewarded by the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. Down in verse 22 and 23, look what he says here. The king of Sodom came out and said, hey, listen, we want to bless you. We want to give you all this stuff. But Abram said to him, said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessors of heaven and earth, that I will, not t- that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you say, I have made Abram rich. Abraham knew where his resources came from, and in an attitude of worship, he gave back to the Lord one-tenth, a tithe of it all. That's because of his gratitude and his love for the Lord, not because Melchizedek says, hey, God gave you victory, you owe him 10%. No, none of that was done. This was something that came out of the heart of gratitude from Abraham at that point in time. So what are you saying, Pastor? What's the deal here? As if I don't know already what you're trying to say. You want us all to give a tenth of our income to the church? Well, if everyone gave one-tenth of their income from the first fruits, there are some of you that would probably be giving a whole lot less than you are right now. And there's probably many of you that would have an absolute stress breakdown of emotions, wondering how in the world you're going to make ends meet. 10% are you out of your mind because you've never gotten to that point in your Christian spirituality, in your Christian maturity, in your Christian growth, in your trust of God, that you're able to trust God in that area. Personally, I feel, and, and for years, and I, for years, Todd and I, have felt this way, that the tithe was a great starting point. It's a great starting point. Giving the tithe is the only place in Scripture where the Lord says that we're to trust him, or to test him, I'm sorry, not trust. It's the only place in Scripture that we find that the Lord says, test me in this area in your life. We find that in Malachi. If you want to turn there, it's Malachi chapter 3, and we looked at it earlier, but I, I, want to, I want you to see it for yourself. It's not just me making these things up, okay? In Malachi chapter 10, or chapter 3, verse 10. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. The Lord says to us, bring all the tithes, and remember, understand what the tithe was. The tithe was 10% of the first fruits. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And 
and, and test me, try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Test me and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there'd be no room enough to receive it. What a great place to see if the Lord is telling the truth when he says, try me in this. Bringing it into the storehouse, or even as Paul says here in chapter 16 of, of 1 Corinthians, to lay it aside, store it up. I believe that in the context of the New Testament church, I believe that what he's speaking about is giving to the Lord through giving to the local church. Why do you say that, pastor? Why would you say bring it to the local church? Well, let me ask you this. Where are you growing in the Lord? Where are you being nurtured and and challenged in the Lord? Where is your spiritual support group coming from? Where have you personally seen the faithfulness of outreaches and the integrity of finances? Who is available and willing to come to your personal aid, whether it be physical, spiritual, or financial? And how does the work of ministry get completed on the local level? All of those things is what the local church does. I've had people in the history of our ministry that have come to us for assistance and first few times we, hey, if there's, if there's a need there, we're going to try and help if we can. We've had some who were part of our ministry for, for literally for years come in for help because they were having some difficulty and seemed like the difficulty continued on and continued on. And so at that point in time, in an effort to assist them beyond just you know giving them a fish for that day, we want to try to assist them in their financial situation. Some questions were asked. And one of the questions was, is, are you faithful in supporting the work of the Lord? And the response was, oh, yes, I give to such and such radio ministry regularly. Okay, but do you support the local church? Well, no, I figured they had enough, but these guys are saying they need the money all the time. Am I, you know, you try not to get in the flesh, okay, at those times, okay? (laughs) But my thought is, well, why don't you call them and let them know you have a need? You see, it's not the radio ministries. It's not the television ministries. It's your local church. It's your local church that reaches out in your local community. It's your local church that, that ministers and encourages and ministers to the children and ministers to the women's ministry and the men's ministry and the youth. It's a local church that, again, encourages you and equips you for works of ministry. That's why I believe that Paul says, and that's why I believe the Word of God says in every area, bring it into the storehouse, come store it together. Uh, again, that we might use this in a way that, again, God is going to be honored in a way that there is integrity in the finances. Is there some other direction we can find from Scripture in all of this? Well, since we're looking at the words of Paul, let's see what else he had to say about this subject. Back in first, here in 1 Corinthians 16, in verse 2, again, he instructs the New Testament church on the first day of the week, 
Let each one of you lay something aside the first day of the week, storing up as he may prosper. Okay, that, that's fair enough to see. That's systematic. That's regular. First day of the week, come, lay something aside, store it up as you may prosper. First day of the week, again, as I shared earlier, that's when the Gentile church met on Sundays. Each one of them contributing. Do you understand that? Each one joining together. And you know what? The church then was no different than you and I are today. Some were poor, some were wealthy, but each one of them joining because the size of the gift would be based upon how the Lord had prospered them, storing up, what does he say? As they may prosper. Those who had more gave more. Those who had less, they gave less. Now here in 2 Corinthians, if you want to flip over there, 2 Corinthians gives even a clearer picture. And now we're going to go into 2 Corinthians after we finish chapter 16. So I'm not going to go in great detail here. But look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, come on, you've been with us this far. So listen, you know, hang in there for a few more minutes as we talk about the four-letter word money, okay? But I like to look at it better as this way. It's not a four-letter word money. It's the reality of the Christian life called stewardship. We are called to be stewards. Again, I believe this connects so beautifully with what we're looking at tonight. I want to share this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 6. Paul writes this. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap what, church? Sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, nor of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. He says, you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. So bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. What's Paul talking about? Financially stewardship. Financial stewardship of your life. Do you see why I say that really tithing is just a starting point? When he says, man, if you're going to sow sparingly, if all you're going to do, man, I'm going to, I'm going to squeak out the tenth and I've got my calculator and that ends up to be you know, so many dollars and, and 32 cents. And you got the tenth down, and man, that, that's it. And that's, that's where your brain is at. You sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. You say, you know what? Man, I'm going to trust God in this. I'm going to go beyond this. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. As I said, we won't go in, <laughs> into depth, trust me on this, in, in 2 Corinthians. But let me challenge you, in this coming week, that in this whole area of your life, for you personally and for your family, look through yourself. Take time to look through 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. And look and pay close attention to words that you're going to see in just those two chapters as Paul really lays out this whole thing of financial stewardship. Pay close attention to words such as in chapter eight, abounded, liberality, beyond their ability, freely, willing, 
first gave themselves to the Lord. They abound in everything, in all diligence, not by commandment. Sincerity of your love to your advantage. A willing mind according to what you have, not what you don't have. Your abundance, their abundance, equality, this lavish gift, this proved diligence, in all things diligence, and this proof of your love. And then in chapter nine, you're gonna see words like, again, your willingness, why I boast of you, of your gift, your zeal, your generous gift, a matter of generosity, not as a grudging obligation, so sparingly, reap sparingly. So bountifully, reap bountifully. We just looked at those. But this one, each one give as he purposes within his heart. Not grudgingly, nor of necessity. God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. You always having all sufficiency in all things. You may have an abundance of every good work. May he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. You are enriched in everything for all liberality. Not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and your liberal sharing with them and all men. You're gonna see those phrases, you're gonna see those words all through those two chapters. Systematic, regular. That's how our giving to the Lord ought to be. Next week, we're gonna look at the issues of of the finances of the church being organized and handled with integrity. Organized and handled with integrity. Paul tells him back in 1 Corinthians 16, he says, when I come, whoever you approve by by your letters, those are the ones I'll send to bear the gift to Jerusalem. He says, but if it's fitting with you that I go, well, then then I'll go with them. You see, Paul wanted to let them know, no, I'm, I'm hands off on this. This isn't about blessing the apostle Paul. This isn't about blessing the, the, the pastor or the leadership of the church. This is about doing the work of the kingdom through the channel of the church. And that's what it's about. Because, beloved, if it gets about anything else, then God help us. And there's many churches that it's about fattening the wallets and the expense accounts of the leadership within those churches or their ministries. God help them. But beloved, I want you to understand that you know, for, for you and I working and serving here together, we want it to be that we can serve him completely and fully and without any hindrances. We want him to be glorified in all of these things. And you know what? You're missing out on a blessing when you don't trust God in your life. You miss out on a blessing when you do not trust God. As we conclude our time here today on The Open Word, we'd like to thank you for listening. 
We hope that the words Pastor David has shared from the book of 1 Corinthians have touched your life and that you're eager to dive into a deeper relationship with Jesus. We'd like to invite you to join us again on The Open Word, but you don't have to wait to hear more messages from the Word of God. With details on how you can listen online, here's Pastor David. Hey, thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, and shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take the open word with you on the go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching the open word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound, biblical-based teachings with you anytime and anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. While you're at theopenword.com, be sure to click on About for information about the ministry of the open word and more about Pastor David. There's also a link to Pastor David's blog, another great resource that looks deeper into what the Bible is teaching us. That website again is theopenword.com. That's all the time we have for today here on The Open Word. Join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse through the book of 1 Corinthians. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope that you have a blessed day.